Hello to all the people of the world listening who measure their time not by the day of the week. No, 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 but by the episode schedules of their favorite reality shows. Atlanta Sunday. Bachelor Monday. Jersey Wednesday. Summer House Thursday. You get the picture. I'm Chelsea. I'm Danny, And this is Who, Who Are, Are We, we to judge? judge? A weekly pop culture podcast where we deliver reality recaps, hot goss, and lukewarm takes. We have absolutely no right to judge. And yet, we certainly will. Okay, let's dive right into our very first episode. I am pumped. Danny, are you pumped? I'm so excited for this. I'm raring to go. Okay. We have a really great episode to recap. We're delving into the second episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I would like to begin us by setting the scene. The girls are having breakfast in Lake George. Marge, BFF Marge, is having a sweet phone call with her husband, Joe, to set the scene. And let's open today's episode by discussing the fact that this group of middle-aged women are starting their Lake George vacation off with some breakfast shots. Just a casual shot with your sausage and eggs, you know, goes really, really well with that palate. I had to say I was impressed with the willingness of everybody to down a tequila shot that early in the morning and I just have this feeling as I'm watching this scene of like oh wow everyone's getting along um shots early in the morning can't wait for shit to hit the fan it is certainly coming yes we see pretty quickly they move on and they're traveling and they we know they're going on the boat but they actually do like this pit stop at lunch first and my two main takeaways from the lunch are, okay, cool, Teresa is still never calling Jackie to apologize. <laughs> also, why are we talking about the sex life of everybody's daughters? We just freaked out over making a drug accusation about Gia, and now Melissa and Teresa are like, well, I think my girls are never going to have sex. And it's like, you know you're being filmed. Why are you saying the word sex and talking about your daughters at the same time? Mm-hmm. I feel, what I loved about that is when we jump to the testimonials and you see all of the housewives being like, I'm not going to talk about when I lost my virginity because that's between me and my husband. <laughs> like, or Teresa okay. was like, she was like, I mean, I don't want to put a number on it. Not that it was really young or anything. Yes, yes. And it's like, Teresa, come on, girl. We know that you were getting down and dirty when you were a teenager. But God bless Marge, who's like, I had sex when I was 15. And everyone's like, you did? And it's like, hello. They probably, I mean, I don't want to put a number on anybody else, but, like, they probably all did. Mm -hmm. Also, okay, there was a tidbit here where Melissa makes some comment about how she doesn't totally trust Joe when they go out because when, when... Joe Gorgon knows Melissa's going out. He goes, oh, yeah, you're going out? Cool, I'm going out times 10. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Aiden, of all people, makes a comment in a testimonial about having trust in a marriage. And it's like this sound, reasonable comment. And I was like, hmm, I feel like it's never a good sign when Jennifer seems to be the most reasonable person in a testimonial. Also, the thing that broke my heart in that moment was that Dolores is the one who introduced the concept of being concerned that if she ever goes away or anything, that her man's going to cheat on her. And I'm like, Dolores, you of all people, someone would have the nerve to cheat on? I don't think so, honey. I don't fucking think so. I know. And also, after last week's episode about, um, about, what's his face? What's his name? David. After last week's episode about David, I'm like, after all that, you're actually worried that David's going to cheat on you? He's just always in the hospital. Anyway, so eventually they finish lunch, they get on the boat ride, and we see the punk of all times unfold, and we also learn that Teresa maybe is a sociopath. I could not believe, A, her level of commitment to this was like Oscar award worthy, but also, like, the way that actually we, the audience, are the true punks in this situation because we fell for it hook, line, and sinker. When Bravo showed us those clips teasing this little moment that Teresa's going to call Joe and tell him that Melissa's out texting and walking with some bar owner, 
We believed it. We believed it with no issue. And it turns out to be a fucking prank. I was feeling relieved, but also furious at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be the downer, but I was like, is this funny? I'm not sure if this is funny. Like, on some level, I think if this was happening to me, I would feel bad more than I would think it was a fun joke. Mm-hmm. Especially after all the tension that has existed between Teresa and Melissa to begin with. I couldn't, I can't believe they like made it through that without any of those three wanting to kill each other. Also, Joe took it like a champ. At the end of it, when Teresa revealed that it was a joke, he was like, oh, you guys are morons. But then he was like, bright and cheery and totally fine with it. And I was like, you know what, Joe, you've come a long way. He has. And as it was happening, like when I first realized it was a joke, then I was like, oh, all the drama is because Joe like can't get over it. He's so pissed about it. Then he lashes out. And then it was just like crickets, like totally fine. (laughs) But you know how something like that will like, you'll be fine with it. You'll like let it pass. And you're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And you laugh it off. But then you like get home and you get in bed and you're laying with your thoughts. And then you start thinking about it and it festers and it just sits with you. And then next thing you know, the next day you're pissed at your partner because you're like, actually, I think what you did is fucked up. You could have actually cheated on me. And I think that that's what's going to lead to the issues down the line in the rest of the season. I think you're right. This could be, this could not be the last we've heard of this. And we mm-hmm. don't know how Joe's going to be behind closed doors once Melissa's home. And he doesn't have to like save face because he knows all the rest of the ladies can hear. That's a good point. Oh, okay. yeah. So we know we have that. Put that on ice. Probably will come up in the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But the girls get off the boat. Everything's fine and dandy. It might be the only 10 minutes of the entire episode that the name Jackie isn't said 7,000 times. <laughs> And then we get back to the cabin for Rosé all day. Rosé all day. in party mode. Oh, my gosh. We have not seen her. I mean, we knew the last episode, Teresa's very horny right now, but Mm -hmm. apparently she also really wants to get drunk. Yes. I don't think that, like, in the beginning of this city's, like, journey, when they started as housewives, Teresa was so conservative in terms of, like, getting fucked up and, like, being drunk on camera, I think that part of that is because she felt really, really controlled in her relationship with Juicy Joe. And so she was like, no, I can't do that. I can't, like, misbehave. So now that she's out of that, she's like, I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to get fucked up every day, every second, every chance I get. Yeah, I'm hoping that this becomes the liberation of Teresa. And it's not going to be a smooth ride, but it's a ride I would like to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to take a sip of wine because we were just talking about it so much. It made me really thirsty. Like You're going to be drinking a lot more then by the time <laughs> this podcast is over because they certainly didn't stop. Yes. No, we then get to boys' night out because if the ladies get to have a big excursion and, like, whoop it up on a tiki barge, then sure as hell the boys are going to have a poker night where they're going to eat a tequila worm. I would like to take this opportunity to just take a sidestep and give like a little bit of an anecdotal story moment for our listeners, which is a fun time in college when I, Danny Thomas, ate the worm. That night, I also peed in the middle of a street on Hofstra University's campus, and I went to a party that I don't really remember. Would I take it back? I don't think so. At least now I can be like, hey, I ate the worm. But, like, was it worth it? Did it really make that much of a difference? I don't think so. You forgot the part where we both cried a lot. We did both cry a lot. (laughs) I don't like to remember that part. Uh, And, in fact, the reason why I ate the worm and made it to the end of that bottle was because I was very, very sad. We were both very sad. Um, That's true. But that's not But you know what? If we look back on it now, maybe that was actually the very first seed planted, the birth of the Who Are We to Judge podcast. You're absolutely right. Because we were, like, coming together as two individuals who had no right to judge our own scenarios. And we definitely weren't judging each other in that moment, so. No, no. Good nuns. But we will now. <laughs> uh, but so, 
I agree. I was very touched. I thought to myself, oh, the boys. And before the worm happens, um, Frank Catania Sr. eats like an entire lump of wasabi and makes mm-hmm. the funniest scrunch face and also cries. Um, what and I like to call this party is sushi, shots, poker, and wasabi farts. Because <laughs> he immediately let out a giant one after taking the wasabi rip. Classic yeah. Frank. The relationship between Joe Gorga and Frank is like the sweetest. Well, actually, okay. So it is the sweetest, but then every once in a while, Frank says something like when he all of a sudden randomly asks every married man at the table if their wife has ever suggested a threesome, that you're like, oh, I forgot that you're so cute, but you're also such an effing creep. You really are. (laughs) It was such a creepy moment. It was complete. I get that, like, probably it was editing or whatever. Maybe there was something that, like, cued that comment up from him, but I fucking doubt it. And I think that that came out of nowhere. And I was like, Frank, what are you doing? This is so random. Also, I feel like his relationship with Joe Gorga is, like, both the most beautiful bromance of all time, but then also it's like, I bet a hundred dollars if they both had permission to cross the line without any judgment without anyone giving a shit I think they would take up that opportunity I have to be honest I thought that I thought that too when Joe like mounted Frank to feed him the worm I was like you're enjoying this so much Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. interesting I would support Um, it then though now, th- I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this because I had mixed feelings. Joey Gorger recycles the punk. Yeah. He basically takes the punk and repunks the guys with the original punk. He says, uh, I'm about to cry right now, as he's, like, telling them the story about Melissa, quote-unquote, texting some random guy. And I was like, oh, are we going to hear some backstory about, like, him actually being concerned from some previous time, whatever? But then it was just, yeah, the prank recycled, and I was like, okay, I guess. And then it was like, you're doing this to what feels like a round table in The Godfather. Like, what if it was true? Were you then going to plot a murder? (laughs) (laughs) It just felt weird. I just, I think that Joe will take any opportunity to be in the spotlight. And especially if he can, like, put on, like, some, you know, waterworks or pretend to be super dramatic about something, he's going to take that opportunity. So, good for him. That's true. And also, something happens in that scene that got referred to in Watch What Happens Live After with Jackie because they're all taking a poll at the table about whether or not they think Evan actually cheated on Jackie. And all the guys say no. I couldn't tell... I wasn't sure if they were, like, trying to do Evan a solid, knowing that they were being filmed, like, bro code type situation. Mm -hmm. And Frank Catania was, like, really convincing. But then that made me think, like, well, if Frank Catania is the most convincing one, then this could totally be a bro code covering up for, like, a dirty dog situation. So I don't know what to think about that, but it's obvious that they're all sort of unanimous, like, saying no for this scene, except for Joe, Margaret's husband, is like, I give it only a 99%, and he alludes to having heard about the same rumor. Yes. But then, on Watch What Happens Live, Jackie says, oh, I forgave them because we realized at that point, Joe thought, Joe had overheard Margaret telling her friend what happened and thought that he was hearing it from a different source, but really, it was all that same source. It was just he was confused. And Hmm. I thought to myself, hmm. I think I, don't know I think that. Teresa heard the rumor, maybe not from a credible source, but I don't think she made it up. Mm-hmm. And I think if anybody was messaging her about it, like I would not, I believe that this message was slid into Teresa's DMs, mostly unsubstantiated. But what I don't think she was the only one to get a DM about it. That's sure. more unlikely. I I just thought it was so interesting that that conversation at the boys' night was basically introduced by Marge's Joe. Sorry, Joe, I'm never going to learn your last name. You're just going to be Marge's Joe to me. Marge's Joe. Marge's Joe. Um, So he brings up that, like, 
topic by basically, or I guess Frank brings it up, and Joe, he does, he alludes to, like, having heard the rumor in his house because there are at minimum 10 women in his house at one time and they don't talk quietly. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. Which then means that Margaret would also know this rumor. And so there is a little bit of sticky area there where it's like, okay, so then does Marge know? Does she not? Anyway, I do feel like they were covering up with a little bit of bro code. I agree. And I think it could go either way. Marge hears the rumor. Marge knows Jackie. Marge and Jackie are friends. Marge might have her own spidey senses telling her that sounds like bullshit. Not even worth bringing up. We hear made up rumors all the time. Mm -hmm. Or it could be she heard it. It's really serious. And she's definitely not talking about it on camera. So I I don't know what what to make of that. But I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So basically... We're, like, wrapping up this boys' night. They all get super wasted. They're playing poker. And then do they drive home? Because they're eating the worm. They all drove to this location. I don't know whose house it was. Was it Joe Gorka's house? I don't know. I Where think is it that was. bar? I think it was because I think Melissa and Joe have that bar in their basement. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. And so I was like... I hope someone called a fucking Uber. Uh, But then we go back to the ladies in Lake George. The ladies are at the cabin having a sushi dinner, and Margaret and Melissa talk about how they are missing Jackie's presence. So they decide to head outside and have a phone call. They call Jackie. They say, hey, we miss you. We wish you were here. She says, it's all right. Like, I just want you guys to have fun, whatever, etc. They return back to the rest of the group, and Dolores says, and this was one of my favorite moments, Dolores says, my God, where have you guys been? Your food's so cold. And Margaret, without missing a beat, says, sushi's always cold. It's okay. <laughs> and I was just like, good job, Marge. You're, she's just with it. She's got that sharp wit. She gets it. True. And in no other context could you say the word sushi is cold and it'd be funny, but she just makes it funny. She makes it um, so funny. As opposed to Jennifer, also, who tries to make every single thing funny with her one-liners, and they fall dead every single time. And I'm just like, honey, please don't quit your day job. Just stick to It's because she animal. says everything. She's like, sushi's always cold. Huh? Like, she does that accent. She has a cigar hanging out the side of her mouth. And she's like, I'm not rubbing two sticks together, honey. And it's just like, and she does an apple thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, As this is happening, I'm getting, quite frankly, wine whiplash. Because we went from rosé all day, then they're drinking red, then they're drinking white, and I'm really starting to see the picture reminding myself this morning started with a tequila shot. Then they were on a (laughs) boat where we audibly heard them ordering vodka and tequila. Mm -hmm. We saw everybody get poured a glass of rosé when Teresa served the rosé, and now we got red and white. And so I'm just really thinking about, like, if this was me, I would be blackout. Have I lived a life that looks like this in a cabin or on a vacation? Yes, I have. 100%. And I'm really setting the scene for the kind of cognitive function that's about to happen the rest of this episode. Um, and I think we see that when the girls are talking at the table. And here's the piece that I was really like, wow. On what planet are we getting to a place where there seems to be some consensus that Jackie might actually be overreacting. I could Were you not sensing that? that? Like even mm-hmm. even the Jackie stands, like Melissa and Marge, and I don't know, maybe they're saying it to appease Teresa because you can't make Teresa feel attacked, but what they did anyway. Mm-hmm. But are they really giving her that? Like they're trying they're starting to treat it like she's just overreacting. I think it was like heinous what happened. They definitely are insinuating that Jackie is going... Here's the thing. It's not that they think that Jackie is overreacting. 
it's that they all recognize that there is no way out of this except for Jackie to grin and bear it, swallow that shit, and move right on because there's no way that anyone is going to be able to convince Teresa to move on in any sort of mature, emotionally stable, and, like, grounded way. And so that's why Melissa's like, I'm sick of hearing of this, like... Jackie's just gonna have to get over this in order for us to all move on and when I heard that I was like that's such a shame and it's so unfortunate that they all are in a position where they're friends or family with Teresa and they realize that like there just is no option to go about this the adult way you just have to get over it and move on and pretend it didn't happen or like be cordial with her but like maybe don't continue your friendship but it's like that's such a shame yeah, like you can't reason with crazy. And it's been really mm-hmm. interesting to see Melissa emerge as like Melissa has evolved big time in her relationship with Teresa to the mm-hmm. point where now, you know, it started out as super contentious. Then it was like, I'm trying. She's my sister. I want to have a good relationship, but it's really hard. Then you saw them kind of start to have some form of sisterly bond. And now she's at the place where she can consciously say, this is what she's going to do. You're going to be able to get her to do this, but only if you do that. I know yep. how this woman works. Mm-hmm. It's not rational. It's not reasonable. And Melissa took the long road to get there. It's kind of cool as a viewer hearing her commentary on it and just seeing like, wow, you have come a long way and you know this woman like the back of your hand. And what an undertaking, Melissa. Good Truly. for you. Truly. It's like she has to be Teresa's keeper with anyone that's like new to Teresa's bullshit and you know I feel like when you earn that position you wear that badge proudly and so I have to say good for you Melissa because you did that shit it's true and I think Teresa finally trusts her now a little bit I mean I I don't know we could see that all deteriorate based on the, the coming attractions for the rest of the season but and this this feels like the best place they've ever been in. I agree. I think that Teresa absolutely trusts Melissa 100%. I think that it would take truly, like, the drop of a feather for that to unravel. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> because that is how Teresa operates. But that being said, they're in a good place. So we got to the end of the episode. The ladies are starting a fire pit where... Marge insists on calling a single s'more a s'mores, and that just endears me to her to no end, because she's going to be Marge. She's going to do Marge, and that's the end of it. I want another s'mores. Uh, But so they have a fire pit. It looked so, so, so nice, and I was like, oh my god, we have to go on a lake vacation in the summertime it just was making me like jones for that vibe of like wearing a sweater and shorts in the summer Ooh, forget it i love it on a boat oh my god tequila drink oh my god making pranks yes making prank phone calls oh my gosh and so (laughs) we know this episode started with the analogy uh fight off and it's now ending with the apology standoff where Teresa is refusing to call and apologize to Evan and Jackie's refusing to call and apologize about Gia and we know next episode's going to start with like the cold war of phone calls can't wait cannot wait this season just keeps getting better and better and they've been delivering since episode one so I can't wait to see what happens it's true. You know, I thought I might be kind of mad about, in hindsight, how all this advertised drama was actually just a prank. But I'm not even mad because so many other things happen. It's like, thank goodness not everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was a fantastic recap. Very pumped to watch the rest of Jersey. But we mm-hmm. can't, we would be remiss. If we were to ignore all of the other goings-on in reality TV world. So I put together my top three other items that I wanted to discuss today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you put together your top three? I did. And I gotta say, Chels, based on the week that we've seen coming out of Bravo Lab news and all that stuff, I bet we have some overlap here. 
So I'm going to let you I wonder off. if we do. Yeah. And then we'll just like kind of combine and put it together. Okay. So my first one, I'm pretty excited to talk about this because if we had done a top three last week, it was going to be related to the situation. Um, but Hannah Burner from Summer House is engaged to her now fiance who's in his 40s. And their engagement is happening as we are watching the total unraveling of the Hannah Luke situationship on Summer House. Uh, I, as I've been watching this unfold, have been simultaneously Googling the characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder, which obviously Luke has. And in the beginning, I was feeling like all of my very worst personal dating memories were replaying before my eyes on a screen um, in a Hamptons house. And I was feeling very hashtag can relate to Hannah, especially that like one of the main traits of narcissistic personality disorder is somebody who feels like they're a really important person and sort of puts that vibe out like, well, I'm a really important person and so I can only really associate with very special people. So like our bond is obviously very special and sort of like putting the bond on a pedestal in a way that anybody on the outside looking in is like, you don't, you don't, you're not in a soap opera. Like you're not, it, this person is not 50 shades of gray. He's just an asshole. But anyway, so that shit show has been very interesting to watch. I have a few thoughts now after the most recent Summer House episode. One being sometimes seeing Hannah flip out over taking out the trash. That's also very confronting for me in my past. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I do feel like on some level I question, like, is this a person who is really ready to be married? Or is there a little bit of rebound engagement happening? I don't know. I really want to be happy for them, but I question it a little bit. Extremely good points all around. So Hannah's engagement is absolutely part of my top three. So I'm just going to jump in here and add some, some sense to this uh, fucking statement. So not only are we seeing... In real life, Hannah's announcement of her engagement to Des Bishop, who is 45, while she is 29, on Instagram, they got engaged on Valentine's Day, which is truly just the barf of the century. I mean, I get it. If you're the type of couple where that makes sense for you, good. I'm happy for you. Please live your life. Get married in Disney World. You know what I'm saying? But but for Hannah Burner of all people... I just feel like a Valentine's Day engagement is a little bit off-brand. Not only that, but Valentine's Day is February of 2021. The nonsense that happened with Luke in their summer house was... So we can go off of, like, we just saw Kyle's birthday, which is around the 4th of July. That is less than a year before she gets engaged, where she's crying over this narcissist, Luke. And I'm just, it's 100% of rebound engagement. And I am fully on board for rebound relationships. Have I had them? Yes. Have I supported them? Yes. Whatever, you have to do what you've got to do. But a rebound engagement says, I don't think so. That's a bad, bad news situation. Another thing, okay, I have two things. One is I wonder, I mean, the only, I thought to myself, well, if they want kids and he's in his 40s and she's 29, I get them feeling like now's the time, pull that trigger. And Mm -hmm. I respect it. I have nothing Mm -hmm. against that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But I agree. It's just an unfortunate, and how unfortunate for them that even if that's not what it is, it's it looks like that and people are going to talk about it like we're doing right now we have no right to judge and yet we are i feel bad kind of about that and then the other question i have is we still don't know the status of Paige and perry's relationship right now the last we saw they're on the rocks i haven't seen him in her instagram as of late but then i wonder have i seen him recently but before i was thinking they could be broken up i don't know but so i'm dying to know how Paige really feels about this. Yes, because Paige very much wears the crown of like, 
I'm the stable one with my boyfriend. We're moving to Miami for six months and it's going to be good for my Instagram feed. And that's great. And I'm really happy for Mm -hmm. Paige that that's her life. But I do wonder what that must feel like for her to look at her friend who doesn't have her shit together in terms of guys and like the situations that she, that Hannah uh, engages with in all of the men in her life and for then Paige to sort of be like on the outs with Perry I believe there was a new guy on her Instagram pretty recently who sort of looked like Perry uh, but was not Perry so that was an, inter- an interesting development very interesting okay so mm-hmm. while I could talk about Summer House all day yes, let's get let's on with on. the top three so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know about Taylor Nolan and her outrageous tweets have you heard about this no is this a bachelor okay. person it's a bachelor person. so taylor okay. nolan is very popular in the bachelor franchise but she's a little bit like sideline popular because her instagram is very political and while i agree with her sentiments i think she is very like in your face about it and sometimes people are a little bit like okay you were a bachelor contestant can you just chill out a little bit mm-hmm. so she knows she was on her season known as the emotional intelligence girl. She's very, like, she's sassy. She's smart. She's a licensed therapist or social worker. Um, but she will be very, like, righteous about her points. Like, she's known for anytime somebody makes a public apology, she is dissecting that apology letting you know exactly what's wrong with it every which way now it's complicated like she does a lot of good for the causes that she supports and a lot of the time she's not wrong but she's not exactly the kind of person who gives grace as we might say Mm -hmm. and it has now come out that apparently 10 years ago she was evil she tweeted not one not five not ten not twenty but we're going on like like, like 50 tweets that you have to be, like, an angry, mean person to say. Uh-oh. She was, like, racist. She was calling out black people, Jewish people, white people, Asian oh people. Oh, my God. She was doing a lot of fat shaming. She was saying horrible things about, like, I don't even want to say it because I feel like it, it's upsetting. But, yeah. but things that... Things that in a tweet, she legitimately, like, I have a hard time thinking she'll get to keep her license after this. Oh, fuck. (laughs) And I, this isn't corroborated by anybody. I just heard it on a podcast, but, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to put, allegedly, some of these tweets happened after she already had her license. So it's not even like, I used to be an asshole and then I reformed and then I got my license. Like, really bad stuff. And do you know what this made me do? What? I was like, okay, if this person who is like a hardcore fighter for the cause today has done a ton of social justice work and is an advocate for all good things now, if Mm -hmm. this person's Twitter looked like this 10 years ago, was everybody just an asshole 10 years ago? Like, this is starting to happen to everyone. And then I went back and I read through all my tweets because I was like, was I an asshole 10 years ago? <laughs> and as it turns out, I wasn't. I just made a Twitter and then subscribed to a horoscope thing where it just tweeted out my horoscope every day and I never tweeted anything else. Mm-hmm. I think we were all doing that. And it was like, Libra, today, on Tuesday, you're – future looks bright and whatever and it would auto tweet to our accounts you're right and that's the thing about these situations where it's like I feel like these people really really rest on the argument of like oh I was a dumb kid like I didn't know what I was saying like everyone does this and I always just think to myself "Mm, I wasn't doing that I was not saying that my friends were not tweeting that out like Certainly do I know of people who used to do that shit and maybe now are looking back and having a little bit of, like, remorse over that? Of course. Of course. But you are not the rule. Like, it's not that everyone does that when they're young. It's that you were ignorant at one point and you just have to cop up to that. 
And it sounds like she, right now, is in a place where she has her license, she wants to keep practice, but she's, like, trying to do a lot of reverse work over how shitty she was, so that's why she's leaning in so heavily on the social justice, on speaking out, on being super loud about all of the activism activism and stuff because she's like, oh shit, I have to like undo this terrible image. Yeah, it's like she's overcompensating and it's not yes. that that's, in a, in a sense, it's like, okay, well that doesn't negate all the good that you might be doing now, but it doesn't just replace like a sincere apology. And, like, and that's all it takes. Maybe... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard. I have a hard time hearing somebody be so hard on other people when you have that background, too. Like, what gives you the right? Like, so, because sometimes we, people are willing to forgive and say, oh, you know, this wasn't – you were young and naive or you didn't and, – and a lot of the time those excuses or the amount of grace you have to give has to do with – the magnitude of the offense, right? Mm-hmm. One off-color tweet or one liked picture on Instagram. I'm not saying that that's good, but I'm saying I would be way more willing to forgive that than to forgive, like, it's it's like an entire personality's worth of tweets. Like, yes. there is no, like, oops, I made a mistake or, oh, that was a bad call. It's like, no, like, every day for two years. Jesus Christ. Okay, so I have one more top thing that I really, really want to discuss from this week. I'm pretty sure it was announced today. So this is hot and fresh off the presses. And that is the fact that there's a new podcast coming to the airwaves. And it is called The Good, The Bad, The Baby. Hosted by none other than Stassi Schroeder. And her husband, question mark, Bo, question mark, because Bo Clark, Bo Clark, that's right. I knew it was like too good to be a regular (laughs) name. Um, But so they have a new exclusive podcast coming out that is going to only be offered on Patreon and has a membership fee starting at a monthly rate of $8.99 a month to listen to their tips and tricks and trials and tribulations of being first-time parents. Are they that important? Like, will people, how many people will pay $8.99 a month to listen to them, honestly? I have to say, I know that Stasi has a huge following, so I'm sure they're going to make a little bit of bank off of this. But it's like, we don't all have to do these things right like I don't even think that we necessarily should have a podcast and yet here we are which means like certainly I don't need to hear from Stassi and Bo about how they're like figuring out parenthood aren't you busy doing the parenthood go be a parent don't hold your baby up in pictures for promo about how what like a crazy kooky wacky parent you are because no one taught you how their caption on the announcement post was literally like when we left the hospital, no one gave us any tips on how to do this. So join us in our new podcast as we figure it out. And I'm like, okay, but like put that on SoundCloud. Don't put that on Patreon and charge $9 a month for it for like the bare minimum membership. I don't even want to know what comes with a higher tier membership because it's like, what are you going to send out like PDFs on like tutorials of how to change a baby? No one needs that from you. It also just feels really contrived after getting fired from Vanderpump. Like, this is not, this is not your true life's calling to be a a baby podcast couple. You're just like, oh, shoot, I lost my job on TV and I'm trying to stay relevant and still be rich. Absolutely. This is not your pivot. This is not where you need to be headed at this time. You got fired. You got rightfully fired, Stassi, because everyone else was kind of fired because they were sort of, like, not bringing it. You got fired for some racist and, like, transphobic bullshit. So maybe take an L, sit back for a second, and reflect on that, and don't decide to come out with a new platform where you're going to air your bullshit because we all know that you haven't learned anything. 
What's happening with Straight Up With Stassi now? Is that just over? It must be. I don't know how she could balance both, but who knows? Maybe she'll write another book while she's doing this podcast about her baby raising and then also have her Straight Up With Stassi podcast. I don't know. I don't care. I don't like it. Um, I agree. And I wasn't going to say this in my top three, but I also can't not say it now. Um, I feel cringy about this podcast, and I feel even cringier about Sheena Shea's pregnancy post. And I sincerely feel like Sheena is pregnant right now because her friends got pregnant. And I think that is the... That is the problem that Sheena faces in every area of her life. Like, is she doing things because they're authentic to Sheena or is she doing them because everybody else is doing them? And it's one thing to do that with, like, in your 20s when it's just social stuff. It's another thing to be making a baby. This is, I have no right to say this. I don't know. She could be so happy and it could be the perfect thing in her life. But the optics of it, from my humble position, don't look great. That's all I'm saying. No, it's 100% a pregnancy pact. And unfortunately, we all have to bear witness to it. So that's where we are today. It's very strange. Extremely. And then I wonder, like, is Katie not in the pregnancy pact? Or is it, like, a sad thing where it's difficult and then now she has to watch everybody else? Which, I don't know. The whole thing, I just don't like it. I don't like it. That Something feels weird about it. It feels like we're exploiting babies to stay relevant on reality television. That's what it feels like. It's like the this is like the new like oh we have to have a baby to save the marriage it's like we have to have a baby to save our clout <laughs> and it's like yeah. no thanks we're <laughs> we not need to have a baby to stay on tv yeah okay my last my top three last thing i know that a lot of ours overlap but i just this is short and i have to say it mm-hmm. i found a new television show it is technically in the category of reality in that it is not fictional and I binged the entire season in one day after work, and it's the best thing I've ever seen. It is called oh Canine Intervention on Netflix, and <laughs> it is about a really baller dog trainer from Oakland, California. He knows some professional athletes who adopt some of his dogs, and he mm-hmm. is the most boss dog trainer. He is funny and sweet. He grew up, like, his best friend went to jail. He knew that he could fall into the same trap, but he took all that he learned on the streets and he started applying them to teaching dogs about pack mentality. And it's just incredible. And I cried every episode, and it was really good. And everybody watch it and then go and follow his Instagram and his wife's Instagram because she just had a new baby. She's pregnant, and they had a baby on the show. And... I think we need to blow them up and give them a lot of love so that they make a season two. And I don't know what I'm going to do if they don't make a season two. Have I got news for you, my friend? I did not know that this show existed. But if you like this show, which is called Canine Intervention, is that correct? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. There's a show on Animal Planet, which once, once we adopted a dog, it became a household regular because we would put it on if we were like leaving the house and wanted him to have like a sense of like people being around him because we treat our dog like a child and that's my pregnancy pact um but there's a show called pitbulls and parolees and it's based on a rescue center that is i think located in louisiana it's called villa lobos rescue center and it's uh founded and run by a woman named Tia Torres. Tia has had like a really rough life, like definitely been through the ringer. And the concept of the show is that she staffs her rescue center with people who are on parole because she wants them to form relationships and like bonds with the dogs that are also getting a new lease on life and having their parole basically by being rescued and so they be they form a bond together and it's absolutely beautiful watching this happen 
Um, this is just like a side note, personally speaking. My mom is obsessed with dogs. She has worked in rescue centers, and I keep telling her, you need to move to Louisiana and get a fucking job at Villa Lobos because she would be so well-suited for this job. Um, but yes, it's, it's so heartwarming. Basically, like, you see a rescue story every episode. You also, like, learn the dog's names and, like, form relationships, like, through a season. So, like, you're following one dog's storyline as, like, they get adopted and they go meet, like, a new family who might potentially, potentially adopt them. And it's so heartwarming. So, if you just enjoyed that, tune into some Pitbull... Pitbulls and parolees and get your fix on Animal Planet. Okay, I will. And I have to say, I was definitely thinking of your mom while I was watching. And I thought that to myself. I was like, oh, I have to tell Danny on the podcast. And then she needs to tell Ruth that she has to start watching the show. Yes, um, absolutely. The guy's name is Joss. And then I know his son's name is Jasir. So I'm not sure if maybe he's Jasir Sr. But anyway, mm. so that was our top three segment. That was our top three segment. I think we're ready to head into something that I'm very excited for, which is a little bit of a game segment that we're going to introduce into this situation. So this is something that we are calling Juries Out because we're going to debate a little bit. We're going to come head to head over whether or not the other person is correct in their answers to these questions. And some might even call this actually would you rather. But guess what? We're staying on brand. This is called Juries Out. And I'm actually going to take a little bit of a step away from the format of would you rather. And I'm going to go with a little fuck, Mary kill. Oh! Uh, yeah, but okay, so this is a four person uh, version of the game. So it's actually going to be fuck. Date, marry, kill. So it's all the stages Whoa. of a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came so, correct. I came ready for this, and it's actually sort of related to what we were just discussing with the pregnancy pact. So, Chelsea, mm-hmm. fuck, date, marry, kill. Jax, Bo. Sheena's boyfriend slash baby daddy, whose name I can't even remember. As you think about this, I will look that up, and I'm sorry, audience, for not coming correct in that way. Or Randall, which is Lala's husband, fiance, baby daddy, etc. Okay, I feel like I have this one pretty much clear. You, you're ready? Oh, my God. Okay, Sheena's yeah. baby daddy is Brock. So His name got, is Brock? His you've name got is Brock. So, actually, this is kind of like a funny group of names. We've got Jax, we've got Brock, we've got Bo, and we've got Randall. Randall has, like, the most normal name out of all of them. And it's Wait, he's is like it 60. Brock, like, with a B, or Brock, like, a rock on the ground? Brock with a B. As in baby oh. daddy. Mm-hmm. I thought this whole time you said rock. I know. Like, someone named rock just grunts. Yeah, well, Sheena's baby daddy definitely grunts. Okay. I, this is very clear for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm killing Brock. I don't know enough about him. I think he's a fuckboy. I don't trust him with Sheena. Brock's a hard no for me. It has nothing to do with looks. It's just like anyone that Sheena is, no. No. Okay. Um, then I would F Jax. I would date Bo and I would marry Randall. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay. I think you did that correctly. I do have Thank one you. stipulation. I do have one okay. thing that I would switch out of that, but that was very, very, um, well thought out especially as you got to the end there for me personally i would fuck brock because have you seen him um i would date Bo. i would marry randall and i would kill Jax because fuck Jax. i would rather sleep with sheena's baby daddy who is like fine and he's australian he has the accent he's like very beachy vibes 
And he could, like, literally lift up, like, five of me. And I'm like, ooh. You're right. You're right. And I'll just say this. It doesn't make any sense. It's not right. But you know how Joey Gorga, you're like, wow, I don't agree with your values. But, yeah, like, you're endearing to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel, and I know with Joey Gorga and you, it's a little more sexual than that. But for <laughs> me with Jax, it's not even that, but it's like, I don't know. I think because he wears his heart on his sleeve, and I sincerely believe that he struggles with mental illness in a legitimate way. Like, I don't, I forgive him for some things. But also, mm. it's been a while since I've watched Vanderpump, so like, I could, this could be the thing I look back on in a year and think, wow, I was an asshole for saying that. So maybe I'm not, I don't know. This is our first episode, and I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a a hill you die on by saying that you are endeared to Jax Taylor. I think it might be just like a weird loyalty of like, well, I don't know this other guy, so he's dead. And then what, the bottom of the totem pole? Okay, Jax, you go there. Yeah. But, like, honestly, do you have to know someone to sleep with them? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) At least, like, know their name. That's true. But I don't know. Anybody whose name name I thought might have been Rock is just like, no, (laughs) it can't be. (laughs) Okay. Very fair. Very fair. Um, Okay. Are you ready for. Are you ready for a stumper? I have yes. one easy one and I have one stumper. So should I do my stumper since you did the stumper? Yeah, of course. Okay, so this is the would you rather style. And I originally mm-hmm. wrote it very simple and then I decided to up the ante a little bit. Mm-hmm. Would you rather quarantine film as part of the cast with either Summer House plus Craig and Nene Leakes mm. or the cast of Southern Charm plus Paige DeSorbo and Mary from Salt Lake City. Oh my god. Okay. I think I know my answer right out the gate, even though you threw a wrench into the works with Nini. To be honest, I think that I would be able to just like get along with and tolerate Nini fine. Everyone else like factored into that. The Southern, no, sorry, the Summer House cast. I am a big fan of. I love all of them, even though I do recognize that, like, some of them are extremely hot messes from time to time. I get that they have issues. I still think that, like, if I ran into them in a bar in New York City, I would be like, oh, my God, cool. Like, nice to meet you. Let's do a shot together. Like, you're cool to talk to in the line in the bathroom. The Southern Charm cast... I don't think I have one goddamn thing in common with because Southern Charm is like the old money version of Summer House. Summer House, those kids, yeah, maybe they come from uh, families or households that like are like, I don't know, middle class, whatever. They, They were like doing okay. But like, for the most part, they had to like come up into their careers and where they are at this point in time. Southern Charm, you've got fucking Shep, who, what is his job? You've got Craig, who makes pillows, God bless him, but like, come on. You've got Catherine, nothing else needs to be said there. And it's like, I think probably the only person that I'm like, oh, is Madison, who personality-wise, I'm like, woof. But at least, like, she's got, like, the, I have to grind because I at least was a hairdresser and a single mom. And, like, I have to put food on the table for my kid. And, like, that's good. (laughs) I totally get that vibe. But all in all, 
I don't think I would want to spend that much time around people that I just don't get on like a basic level. Whereas Summer House, I think we could vibe. I would also, I love Craig, my Craigie. So Craig being a part of that situation, excellent. And then Nini, like Nini is a personified meme. So that would just be really fun out the gate. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I pick the same. I, I think it would have been more difficult for me if um, Naomi and uh, Cameron were still on some on mm. Southern Charm. Then it would be a little different. And yes. I also kind of can't – like, I love the Summer House crew. I really like watching it. I feel abrasive, yucky feelings about Luke and about um, – Lindsay so like I I don't feel as I don't feel like I would have as much of like a personality issue with the people Mm -hmm. on Southern Charm despite that I might not agree with them or like fundamentally like them I could see myself getting along better in that scenario but ultimately the Summer House crew plus Craig plus Nene Leaks who I really love I feel it would be the right choice but if yes. it, but again if it was if Naomi and Cameron were still part of that cast I think I would feel differently Perhaps. I agree I actually really love them and I wish that they didn't leave and I would love a Paige and Naomi situation mm, nice okay that's true I did forget about the page of it all but, but, like, her on her own, like, wouldn't undo the rest of Southern Charm for me. I feel like I would get into more trouble with Southern Charm just based on, like, difference of opinion. <laughs> Whereas Summer House, I think we would just, like, be able to see eye to eye quicker. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for Would You Rather? Yes. And it's it's sort of similar. I'm not putting you in a full quarantine, but if you were to be going on a housewives trip and it's like not cast specific, but you had to share a room. Would you rather share a room on a housewives trip with Teresa or Ramona? Oh shit. <laughs> I can I ask a question? Yeah. Is the room assigned to us like where they might not be thrilled about the room situation or is the room like it's not contentious in any way. It's going to be an okay situation, but I have to pick which one. It would be an okay situation. Like, this is the sort of thing where going into it, you under you both understand that you have to be sharing the room together. Maybe you might have even looked at each other and said, oh, let's share. You know what I mean? Okay. It's but not like a fish room debacle. No. It's, okay. Um, ooh. I feel like I'm going Ramona. Wow. Teresa's too, too much of a wild card. Like, I love Teresa, but I could at any moment piss her off and then maybe not be safe you're absolutely right loves to have fun Ramona's not gonna start shit with somebody she's staying in a room with you're gonna be Mm -hmm. her best friend for like that period of time and then she might say terrible things about you afterwards but like you're gonna have fun while you're there that's absolutely true. I think that if you were to pick Ramona to room with, the only person you'd have to deal with in terms of, like, being on their bad side is probably Sonia. Uh, but, like, Ramona, you're good with. You're absolutely going to, like, party. And if you had asked me just, like, which cast I'd rather be a part of, then I might have picked Jersey. I'm not sure. but Whoa. Okay. Well, I don't, like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be in New York without Bethany. Mm. I feel like I I'm cool to be in New York with the new vibe that Leah brings, to be honest. Actually, that's true, and I love Leah. Okay, so don't yeah. quote me on that. But point being, okay. it would have been a harder decision if it was the whole cast, but just, like, sharing a room with Teresa feels scary. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, so the last one, this one's like pretty simple, but it's bringing us back to uh, how we kicked off the episode. Would you rather have been on the boat with the girls or playing poker with the boys? Ooh, in this, this is episode. like a nice, fun, like, breath of fresh air. I like this question. Okay, anyone who knows me knows that I love a good day drink. I love to, like, get out in the sun. If we can be on a boat, even better. Like, that's going to escalate my entire vibe. My situation is just, like, peak Danny happiness. If I can have a tequila pineapple on a fucking tiki barge. So, yeah, I got to go with on the boat with the ladies. Even though Poker Night with the Guys is absolutely a place that I could, like, be at very comfortably. I could hold my own. But, like, definitely on the water with the ladies. Yeah. In hindsight, like, having seen that they didn't kill each other, I could say the boat. Like, that would be my typical first choice. However, mm-hmm. it's tempting to say the boys because you just know that you would have peace. <laughs> like, Not only that, but you could also come back to the ladies with a little bit of tea. And just yeah, be like, oh, exactly. guess what I heard. So, the poker game's tempting. I'm going Tiki Barge. Okay, me too. Okay, so we've played juries out, and we have to end our episode with the quote of the week. Uh, I don't really think it requires too much explanation, nor do we have to have any particular logical reason, but there's always a quote that you hear, and you're like, that's going to stick with me in my heart. And so, I have selected a quote of the week. Danny, do you have a quote of the week? I do have a quote of the week. And mine's kind of like a person A, person B. So, it's, you know, but. All right. I do. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So, I will, I'll just, like, set the scene a little bit. Um, Teresa makes the prank call to Joe. And everyone's, like, crap cackling on this boat but trying to do it as quiet as possible because Teresa's on the phone with Joe they don't want to blow the cover um Teresa hangs up from that situation I think after the fact and so Joe knows that it was a prank everything's okay but Melissa's like oh my god my heart's pounding like I'm freaking out I don't feel right about this and Marge goes Melissa don't be such a puss (laughs) And without missing a beat, Dolores adds to that, stop it, ugh, and her face is the stankest face of all time, and the fact that they both came together to be like, Melissa, grow some fucking balls, we just pranked your husband, get over it, it just was, mm, chef's kiss, loved it, so that's my quote of the week. Okay, yeah, that was good. Um, mine is pretty straightforward. I'm just going to say it and you see if you know who I am and who, what mm-hmm. happened. Um, <clears throat> let me get it together. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, you're all assholes. Definitely Teresa when she's <laughs> threatening to leave the table because everyone's ganging up on me. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. One, two, three, you're all assholes. Mm-hmm. It was honestly the sort of situation where it didn't matter if you even made a peep at all that dinner. If you were present at the table, you're an asshole. <laughs> Teresa's calling you an asshole. Um, can I just tell you there were two runner-up quotes? Yes, please. Okay. I just thought I couldn't – I had to pick Teresa go, doing that because it was just too – it was so Teresa. Mm-hmm. I felt it was iconic. But then there were two other ones. One was um, Melissa at the beginning of the episode just being like, I don't miss my kids that much. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> that yes. me up. And then there was, I forget who said it, but during the boys poker game, one of the guys was like, I would see blood in my eyes. When they were saying how mad that they would be if their wife cheated on them, it was, I would see blood in my eyes. And I think it was... Um, it was Marge's Joe. Yes! It was Marge's Joe. I would see blood in my eyes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this was our first podcast. We had segments. We had an intro. We did some impressions. <laughs> I feel good about it, Danny. How do you feel? I feel really good. I reached the end of my wine glass just in time, so I'm, like, ripe for a refill. And I think we're ready to, like, head into the next week and be excited about episodes to come. Yes. I'm excited to watch Summer House tomorrow. I'm excited to possibly record an episode after watching Summer House next week so we have more to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing about this podcast is that we are going to touch on all the things. We may not be able to deliver full recaps for all of the shows because, as we all know, there are so fucking many of them. But that because being said... we have a job. Yes. We're going to we're gonna touch in here... We're going to touch in there. We're going to give attention to things, but it might switch up week to week depending on how much attention we can give to each thing. Yeah. And that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for listening to our first ever episode of the Who Are We to Judge podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and also follow us on social. On Instagram, we are Who Are We to Judge Pod. And on Twitter, we are Who Are We Number Two Judge. Yes. And be nice because this is our first time. This is our first time. So thank you so much for listening and let's all go eat a s'mores. I'm, I'm just having one s'mores. Just one s'mores. Because no one can do it like we do.